0: And,
1: uh, it's going to take probably, like, five minutes or so before my heart rate decreases enough and, uh, stop swallowing hard and, uh, all that
0: to where it actually,
1: like, makes sense and, um, sounds coherent. So maybe I'll read first and, uh, that'll help me get out of the way and, um, for me to tell my story. But, um.
0: Anyways, this is uh I'm supposed to talk some
1: about God and I, I think it's kinda of funny um that I would talk about God because if you had told me four and a half years ago that I would one be involved in AA and uh be asked to tell my story in AA I wouldn't have believed you. Um I didn't want to be here when I got here and I didn't want to do the work and I didn't want to show up and um I didn't really necessarily know that like that this was the answer, you know. Um and that I needed to get in touch with this higher power thing and and all that. But um, I guess I'm going to read a thing that um, has meant a lot to me in sobriety because I uh, struggled with the God thing. Uh, And so this is from uh, page 46 of the big book. And it, it says... Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another con- another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, all inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding. To those who earnestly seek, it is open. We believe to all men. So, um, I think I'm a little less anxious right now, and I can I can tar- start start uh, telling my story and I'll tell you what it was like and, and uh, what happened and what it's like now. And um, I grew up uh, in a. Uh, A wealthy family. Um, my parents had money. That wasn't one of, like, the concerns. I have an
0: older brother
1: uh, who's three years older than me and a younger sister who is a year younger than me. And I'm a middle child, and, and some of you already know what that means. Um, but um, I started drinking. I, I remember my first drunk. My, my brother's three years older than me, and, uh, and one of the things that drove me and, and that I remember as part of my experience growing up was that uh, I always wanted to, uh, to be cool. and and to fit in and to, you know... I I didn't want, like... I didn't necessarily... I I wanted to win your acceptance. And uh, I wanted to um, feel that, like, connection. And I wanted to plug in. And and I just, like... You know, I wanted this this sense that I was a part of something. And I just, like, didn't have the tools to to plug in. And uh, so anyways, I was uh, a lot of times doing things and and being the class clown and and trying to uh, figure out a way where I could feel like a little bit of that, you know, just some of that connection. And uh, my first drunk was, uh, I mean, alcohol was around my house and and my uh, parents drank alcohol and I knew that it was important and it was a part of all the celebrations and, you know, part of dinner time and everything. But uh, I had a little bit of alcohol here and there, but the first time that I really got drunk was when I was 12 years old. And uh, my older brother and his friend thought it would be funny, you know, give me some alcohol. And he poured a uh, he poured a whiskey shot, and I drank it. And uh, he poured another one, and you know, I drank it. And he poured another one. And you know, I'm 12 years old, so these aren't like the biggest shots ever. I can't like I can't drink that much. But uh, I, in my mind, I remember taking like you know 10 shots. I'm sure that you know it was probably something like. Four, three. You know. uh, my, my mind exaggerates what the truth is. Um, so I, uh, so I, I drink these shots and uh, and I don't really remember. Like some people, I, they tell their story and they say like their first drunk was like the best thing that ever happened to them. But like I went like so quick into that like uncomfortable drunk where like the room is spinning and like there's like nausea and like I'm gonna throw up and. Um, I, you know I kind of like stumble uh, I stumble like down some stairs and like I'm trying to turn the alarm off like you know so that I can let my brother's friend out and uh, I can't do it and I'm kind of like scared at this point in time like I'm getting like real drunk and my uh, my brother says uh, take a cold shower and I know that like I'm uh, have like some characteristics of alcoholics because when I hear like take one, like it just registered automatically like three cold showers, you know. And I took three, I took three cold showers, and uh, I took three cold showers that night and uh, and went to bed with like the room spinning. And I woke up the next morning and uh, never had the thought like I'm never going to do that again, you know. And, and I don't know if that makes me alcoholic, but like it's a really good start, you know. Like, to have consequences from the first time that I did it and, like, to just be able to automatically, I mean, there was no effort involved, automatically just dismiss any consequences as a result of my drinking. That was actually something that uh, my mind was able to do on numerous occasions where bad stuff happened, but it just didn't register and it didn't click that somehow these problems are related to my using Anyways, it would be a lie if I told you that I uh, started drinking every day at the age of 12 years old. It's a progressive disease, and it started out, you know, that I was, uh, you know, it started out I smoked weed when I was 12, and I drank uh, for the first time when I was 12. And it uh, it wasn't around that much um, for me, and it wasn't a part of my social scene that much um, until I uh, hit high school. The summer before I went to high school was when I, like, really got on top of my drinking and drugging and, uh, started hanging out with people that, uh, you know, like, it was more socially acceptable at 15 for some reason than 12 to, like, get drunk on the weekends, and, uh, I started hanging out with, like, a few older people that were doing it, and, um, it was, like, the best thing that ever happened to me at 15. Like, I loved getting fucked up. I mean, it was, like, um, why didn't didn't I start doing this more often when I was 12, you know? Like, this was, like, that way that, um, that connection that I was looking for, I felt like I had found it in alcohol and drugs. And, like, man, I could, like, be the person I wanted to be when I was out, and I could be the center of attention and, like, not be nervous. And, you know, I could, like, my, the acceptance thing, like, didn't matter as much anymore. And I, I hear, like, a lot of people, like, it's like that feeling of, like, less than, like, just kind of disappeared, and it didn't matter. And, uh, you know, I would be a fool not to, like, continue to go back to do this as much as I possibly could. And um, so I, uh, I I progressively get into things that um, I had, you know, previously in my life, like, I'm never going to do that. Like, I'm absolutely never going to, you know, like, I'm never going to do you know, crystal meth or cocaine or mushrooms or acid or anything like that because uh, the experience of like smoking weed and drinking was just like so powerful that I was like willing um, to forego like you know these um, like really strong commitments because of like how powerful it was and like how much of like uh, I guess like I mean what it did for me you know and um, so I'm like in this like um, progression of the disease, and uh, I'm, like, 15, and I'm in high school, and I start, you know, like, uh, I'm making good grades, but I'm, like, hanging out with, like, different people that are in my, you know, like, upper classes, like, I'm in the advanced classes, but, like, I hang out with, like, these different groups of people and try to fit in all these different subcultures that, like, you know, I'm still looking for that connection and, and still trying to find where I belong and, like... I'm never really finding it in, in the groups that I'm, you know, seeking out. And I think I went through some, like, interesting phases. I was a, uh, I was a, a punk skater, and I was a, a gangster skater,
0: <laughs> and I was a
1: cowboy, and I was uh, a hippie. And I went through, like, all these phases and, like, hung out with all these different people. And, I mean, I hung out with the, like, you know, when I was a punk, I hung out with the gangsters. And, you know, like, we had our, our, our point of connection, like, the drugs and alcohol. Like, I could hang out with different groups of people but like I never really felt like like I found my people and like man I was sitting in, this, in the meeting last night the speaker meeting and I just like I was sitting in here and I, I you know the other other meeting room and I was like man I, I really feel like I found my people you know and like I have so much like compassion for the person who's sitting in here who doesn't feel like they really fit in here yet you know who's still kind of struggling with it and uh before I worked the steps I I sat in here and I didn't feel like I was like really here and that I'd like found my people but eventually I kind of like went through this process of of uh you know like listening to people and working the steps and I really felt like 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 this is this is where it's at you know like I am, am done looking for that that subgroup in that other way and and that kind of thing and surrendered that they, these are my people so um Anyways, I uh I don't feel like I'm really like like connected right now. I'm like really in my story. I I kind of feel like uh I don't know, like, like I'm not collected and together. So anyways, bear with me. Um So, um I'm hanging out with, uh, you know, these different groups of people and not really feeling like I fit in and, uh, and, and trying really hard. And that was, like, one of the things, like, I tried really hard. And, uh, and, I, and I was making good grades, and, um, and part of that was motivated by the fact that I knew that if I made good grades, I would have my parents' attention diverted elsewhere so that I could do what I wanted to in, in my free time. And, uh, you know, like I talked about before, like, I really wanted to, you know, get drunk. Loaded as much as possible, and, uh, free up as much time, get my work done, so that I could reward myself, and, uh, so, um, I guess I'll, uh, kind of skip in, because I, I want to talk about, um, rec- recovery, like, what's happened since I've, you know, been sober and stuff, um, I, uh, I had a, like, chain of events that, like, really, like, kicked in high gear, like, my alcoholism and drugs, and, uh, I had a girl, you know, that moved away, and like, you know, it was like the most depressing thing ever for me, you know, she was the one, and and she moved away, and that was the period of time when I, the only period of time when I drank daily, and kind of like spiraled down from there, and and did all the stuff that I never said I was never going to do, and, you know, did a lot of stuff that um, would, I I figured would probably be pretty hard to live with uh, later on, and uh, I, uh, one night was hanging out with some friends, and, uh, you know, it was like, it was a night just like any other night, like, I went out uh, with the intention of, like, getting completely obliterated like I did every other night, and uh, with the car keys, because, like, that's what I did. I mean, I drove drunk all the time. I had my, you know, my learner's permit, and I drove drunk with my mom in the car. Like, I drove drunk, and that was, like, what I did. And I went out, like, one night, and I was drinking Mad Dog Twenty Twenty and uh and smoking a lot of weed and we went out and I was like, you know we were gonna leave to go um you know, score some more pop. And uh you know, there was like nothing out of the ordinary that night. Like it was just like any other night. We were like playing video games and you know, like listening to music, listening to Grateful Dead and um drinking every twenty twenty, smoking weed and uh I, we went out that night and uh to go get some more bud and uh I blacked out somewhere on the drive to go get it and I had like three two friends with me and one uh business associate
0: and <laughs> we
1: uh I dropped all them off in a blackout, and then I have like a few hours unaccounted for. And then the next report of me is from a uh, toll booth attendant who called the Houston Police Department and said uh, we have a you know black BMW going the wrong way on the tollway, and um, he's going like 100 miles an hour. And then the next report after that is uh, 20 miles between there and the wreck, and I. Uh, I got in a head-on collision, and I figured that I was going probably, like, like 60 miles an hour at least. You know, like, I'm in a blackout. I don't remember any of this. Like, this is all from, like, police reports. But I figure I was probably going, like, at least 60 miles an hour. And the other car was probably going 60 miles an hour. So it's like hitting a brick wall at 120 miles an hour. And, um, like, I really get this, like, idea of, like, borrowed time and, like, that... Uh, like, when people talk about, like, being sober and, like, getting second chances and, like, getting, getting like, to do it over again and, like, living on borrowed time and then, like, I mean, if God's not, like, shot all through that, like, I mean, I don't obviously know about God then, but um, I got a second chance. Like, I the people, um, there were two people in the other car. I was the only one in the car that I was driving, and those two people were hurt. And uh, I woke up in the hospital the next day with a broken collarbone and, You know, like, I wake up out of my blackout, and I'm in a hospital, and my parents are on both sides of me, and they, like, tell me what happened. And um, that was, like, that was the worst moment of my life, was, like, waking up in the hospital to that, like, bitter, incomprehensible demoralization and, like, realizing that, like, you know, I had done this thing, and I don't remember it, and, um, you know, like, I mean... There's there's nothing like looking your parents in the eye and like have them tell you like you know you drove the wrong way on the freeway and uh, you hurt a couple people. Uh, so I uh, did not get sober then. I was like I mean that's not uh, that's not alcoholic enough for me. Um, I, I my problem was not um, drinking. It was like drinking and driving. And uh, I just had to figure out a way where I could, you know, like be out on, uh, you know, out on papers and continue to do what I wanted to do. I left that day from the hospital and I had a, you know, a prescription for hydrocodone that I was going to like fully utilize. And um, I left uh, the hospital and was out on bail for a while and um, continuing to use and, This was, like, more of my period of, like, trying to figure out the formula where I could, like, control it. And, like, I knew that there were some things that were, like, out of control about it. And I had, like, kind of conceded to myself that, like, it didn't didn't really work, you know, the way that I was doing it. And I needed to figure out a a right way to do it. And um, I had to stop smoking weed because I was uh, on probation. And that was, like, devastating for me because that was, like, a huge part of my life and... It did something for me that uh, other drugs couldn't do and that I like really liked. And um, I mean, I'm like completely crazy. Like this is the point at which the normal drinker like has some serious consequences because of, uh, you know, what they do. And they just say, I mean, I'm 19, I'm 17 years old when this drunk driving accident happens. This is when the normal drinker says, okay, like I'm 17, I'm not of age to drink. I'm in serious trouble because of it, um, because of drinking. I'm going to stop at least for a while until I'm off probation and done with all this. But uh, it says, uh, I'm going to read this. This is the only other thing I'm going to read. But um,
0: it talks about
1: the difference between the normal drinker, the hard drinker, and the alcoholic. um, In the big book. So moderate drinkers have little trouble, trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have a good reason for it, like drunk driving accident. They can take it or leave it alone. Then we have a certain tarp type of hard drinker. He may have had the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. It may cause him to die a few years before his time. If a sufficiently strong reason, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate, although he may find it difficult and troublesome and he may even need medical attention. But what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker, but at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. And uh, that was, like, where I was at. Like, I was uh, in trouble, and um, I was just, like, delusional, you know, thinking, like, thinking like I could still make it work, and, like, I'm, I'm completely, like... I've I've lost control, but I'm still trying to, like, make it happen. And, uh, so I get sober a year and a half later, and in between that year and a half, there are so many blackouts, and, uh, I'm taking Xanax and drinking, and, like, you know, like, I'm waking up out of, out of blackouts, and, uh, trying to assess, like, what I did the night before to make sure that I'm not in trouble. Because I'm, like, out on bail, and facing two to ten, and, uh, you know, like, I don't, I like, I'm drinking, obviously, like, I'm powerless and I'm unmanageable. And I, like, won't even recognize it. So, um, my senior, I get convicted um, my, the weekend, the week before my senior year in high school. And I go to uh, uh, the judge and I get, you know, four years probation, no license for four years, community service, classes, victim impact panel, I mean, like, all this stuff, and then 30 days in jail. And so I'm supposed to, you know, wait, it's like right before my senior year, so they decide to um, have me um, come turn myself in after I walk across the stage and graduate. And, um, you know, I make good grades, and I end up, like, graduating in the top 10% of my class, and I walk across the stage, and then I go and turn myself in a week later, and... um, you know, I go out for that last rod drunk, like, right before I go into jail. And, you know, end up, like, blacking out and waking up in a guy who's actually sober now, his apartment, who was dealing drugs and, like, like, you know, like, just completely crazy. And uh, I wake up in his apartment and the next day I go turn myself in for jail and uh, spend a month in jail. And the whole time I'm in jail, I'm uh, dealing with this, like, obsession. Like, I want to get, like, drunk loaded. Like, when I'm not drinking and and getting loaded, like, I want to get loaded. And it's like something I think about all the time. And uh, I get out, and it's like the first thing I want to do, you know, and and I continue to go back and just do what I do, you know, and um, I go, uh, I decide, actually, I'm going to college. I'm like so scattered right now. I hope hope some of this is like somewhat coherent. But um, I... I go. Uh, I decide to go to college out of state because I figure that, uh, you know, the state's going to let me do it on probation, and I figure they'll have less tabs on me and I'll be able to do more of what I want to do and uh, have less drug tests and, and stuff like that. And so I go away to school to Memphis and uh, I go to Rhodes College. And I'm uh, at school there, and I'm, like, not drinking daily. Like, I'm thinking about it every day. And, like, I want to every day, but I know that I can't you know, like, make it work with probation and school and everything like that um, if I drink every day. And so I'm, like, doing school, like, Monday through Friday, and, like, Friday night, I'm, like, making up for it, you know, and, like, wake up Saturday morning. And and the pattern, like, at the very end of my drinking was, like, just, it was just, like, boring, but, like, the same stuff over and over again. Like, Monday through Friday, like, try not to drink, and then Friday, like, big blowout and wake up Saturday with, like,
0: the hangover
1: that, like, non-alcoholics only have once. You know, like, where you wake up and, like, like being sick and dehydrated is, like, only the beginning, you know. And I get, like, nothing done on Saturday, even though I have all these papers due and everything. And um, I think, like, for, you know, like, weeks on hand, the only thing I got done on Saturday was, like, my, my laundry. And I would, like, do my laundry and, like, be kind of, like, proud, you know, that I got my laundry done. And, uh, and so I... Um, <coughs> I wake up on Saturday morning, and, like, this is, like, the end of my drinking. I didn't even, like, realize this until I had two years sober. But, like, I kind of, like, spotted that, like, alcoholic pattern. And, like, as if the, like, accident and everything, like, didn't, like, show me enough. Like, I saw that um, on Saturday morning, I'd wake up after Friday night drinking and, like, drank way more than I had planned on drinking got out of control. And I'd wake up on Saturday morning and be like, I'm not going to drink tonight. Not like I'm going to stay sober for the rest of my life or anything like that. But just like, I'm not going to drink tonight. And uh, and I'd mean it. And, um, you know, I'd get a little hydrated, and my stomach would hurt a little less. And I'd have my, that obsession working in my mind. And while the obsession was working on my mind, and I'd go drink Saturday night. And just be like, oh, I changed my mind. You know, like, this is what I want to do. And I'd drink on Saturday night, and I would fully buy my own bullshit that that was what I wanted to do. And, uh, so I'd wake up on Sunday morning, and it'd be the same thing. And then I'd go through the week, and I'd just do it. And it wasn't like any like you know big thing like you know that happened that like really brought me down like so much. I did have one night where I uh, I I blacked out, and um, I think I was in uh, this dorm where I used to date a girl, and so I think I was probably trying to get back with her. But uh, I got found found by a uh, resident advisor who found me in the girls' bathroom peeing. And I guess I was, like, kind of sly even in blackouts.
0: Because, like,
1: I knew that um, guys, you know, guys stand up to pee, obviously, and girls sit down. And so when I got busted, I was sitting down peeing. It might also have been that I didn't have the best of balance at the time. Um, But it was like... um, you know, she looked under the stall and saw some big dude feet and,
0: uh, <laughs> and... and she,
1: you know, confronted me and she said, you know, are you a student here? No. You know, are you going to tell me your name? No. Uh, um, you know, what are you doing here? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, she's like, okay, well, I mean, if you're not a student and, um, you know, you're obviously drunk, you're in the girls' bathroom, like, you're going to have to be escorted off campus by Campus Safety. and. You know, she goes, and I'm, I'm. That's fine. You know, let's let's do that. And uh, she she gets on the phone with campus safety, and uh, you know, calls it in. And I take off running. And,
0: uh, I don't know. I, I do
1: I do things like that are very uncharacteristic of me uh, when I am uh, drunk and loaded that uh, I don't do when I'm sober, like that. And uh, the problem is, is that I am unable to like call it quits. You know, and like come to that point where I'm like, all right, I'm good, you know? I'm, you know, taking pills and drinking, and I'm just, like, going for more and more and more. And there's that internal, like, I guess, uh, like, judgment call or whatever that I think normal people might have. I don't have that. And uh, so I do things like that. And I woke up that next morning, and uh, it's funny to tell the story now. It was not funny when it happened. And I woke up the next morning, and... I was in trouble for, uh, you know, lying. I was going to go for the honor council, and I was convinced that they were going to tell my probation officer. And like, I had a good lawyer, and, and I got off real easy for uh, intoxicated assault with a vehicle. And uh, I was like, man, they're going to throw the book at me. Like, they're going to tell, they're going to tell the, uh, you know, Texas what's going on from, you know, Tennessee, and I'm going to go to prison. And so I woke up that next morning, and like I watched the hallway bathroom to throw up. And this guy told me what happened and what I did. And you know he was laughing about it. It wasn't funny to me, but he was laughing about it. And I went back to my room, and I was just I conceded to my innermost self that I was like going to prison. Not that I was an alcoholic, but that I was going to prison. And uh, I'm, I don't know, too boyishly cute to go to prison. And uh, that was, <laughs> that was it, it's I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have done well there. And uh, and uh, and, I, and I was having lots of problems with anxiety too, and so I'm seeing a I'm seeing a therapist about that, and we're not talking about drinking and drugging. Like,
0: I don't know how I
1: can like you know go to a therapist and like address some problem and not talk about this, but I'm not talking about it, you know. So I uh, I go and you know I'm I go to like a next session or something, and she uh, says something about. I end up bringing it up, and she says something about, um, I guess, like, her experience. And she had had an experience where she used to follow widespread panic, and, like, I, that was who I was at that time. And, you know, that was the, the in-group that I was in. Um, and that she had uh, had some trouble and, like, took care of herself. and I mean, really general way kind of shared her experience, strength and And it kind of implanted the idea that like, maybe I could do something different, like get sober or something. And I wasn't ready to do it yet, but it just like, it planted a seed. You know, and some people are at the conference and like, man, they're not ready yet. Like, but it's planted a seed. And I really believe that. So um, uh, I'm still trying to make it work, even after this, you know, encounter. And prison and everything, and I don't know, and I'm just, you know, like, scared, and so I'm, like, just going to take pills, you know, (laughs) because pills, that's the way. I try to just take pills, and I figure out the hard way that, like, once I start doing something, like, I do things uncharacteristic of me, and, you know, the obsession takes over, and then, like, I drink, you know, and I go, and I drink, and my biggest problems, solid, that I caused were always when I was drinking. I mean, like, I definitely fit in, an AA. So, um, anyways, uh, this guy who was in AA had gone to the counseling center where I was going to this therapy and he had, uh, gone and said, you know, my name is Daniel and I'm an alcoholic and I've been, you know, sober for a few years. And if anyone comes through the counseling center and wants to get sober or wants to talk about getting sober, here's my number. And, uh. So, this therapist, who had shared her experience, you know, gave me his number and was like, if you're interested and you're open to it, call this guy. And, uh, I looked him up on the online directory to see who he was, and I didn't call him for a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, I was going to stay sober on my own, and I, I didn't need anyone's help. And, uh, the speaker last night was talking about how, like, we're alcoholic because of how we feel when we're not using. And, uh. I was so uncomfortable not using and was completely obsessed, you know, in my mind. Like, I really wanted to get high. Like, every like fiber in my being wanted to get high and drink. And, uh, and that was where the willingness came from. I had a month of uh, time without using drugs or drinking before I went to an AA meeting. And it was, like, the worst month of my life. I wanted to get high and drink all the time. And I woke up in the morning, and I, like, had to just, like, I mean, like, when people say white knuckle, like, I know what it's like to white knuckle. And uh, so anyways, I go up, and I talk to this guy, and, like, um, he said, he, uh, I'm like, hey, man, like, and my intention is just not to go to AA, not to, like, have him sponsor me or anything like that. My intention is to go and talk to him and be like dude, like, I'm, you know, trying to do a sober thing, and, like, you know, every once in a while it gets really hard. I want to just, like, have somebody I can call, like, you know, the lifeline. And
0: uh,
1: I, like, start that conversation. I have it all rehearsed in my head, how it's going to work out, and uh, it it doesn't work out like it does in my head, and he ends up, like, inviting me to a meeting. And uh, I did not want to go to AA, and I did not want to do meetings. I wanted to do this thing on my own, and, like, You know, somehow make it through to that point where I wasn't going to be that I was completely obsessed and, like, really wanting to get high and drink all the time. And uh, he invited me to a meeting, and for some reason, uh, I said yes. And he set a time, and I said, okay. And he picked me up, and he took me to the meeting, and uh, I went begrudgingly and um, started to uh, hear my story. And Hear people talk about stuff that I related to, and I didn't relate to God. I didn't relate to like an experience, a spiritual experience, anything like that. I related to the problem, and uh, so I'm really grateful that people talk about the problem. And I remember one guy that uh, that I related to the most um, early on was this guy who uh, I would look at and be like, "Dude, I man, me and him, like, no, no way do I relate to this guy. A mullet and." You know, he had a Harley Davidson hat, and um, he was missing teeth, and um, I highly doubt that he graduated in the top 10% of his class, but I could be wrong. Um, and uh, anyways, but he had that language of the heart. and He talked about uh, going to bed at night, and his, like, his head hit the pillow, and he was sober, and th- that that meant that it was a good day, and that he had done something right. And, uh, and I related to that, because like early sobriety was really hard. And, like, even when I started going to meetings, and even when I started, like, you know, begrudgingly doing some of the things that people talked about, like praying and stuff, like, early sobriety for, like, months was hard for me. And uh, I really wanted to get drunk and high a lot. And uh, because of that, I started doing some of the things that people talked about, you know, like praying and, like, you know, calling people. And I called this, like, this one guy... um, Like, I called him late at night because that was, like, when my mind was, like, working, like, overtime for me to go and still, you know, like, I still was holding on to some drugs. And I was going to, like, you know, like, you know, as a backup plan, I still had my, like, my my backdoor plan in case, like, things didn't really work out with the sober thing. And uh, I called this guy, and I don't remember anything that he said, but I remember that he started a lot of what he said with, my sponsor tells me, or my sponsor told me. And, like, I got this idea that, like, sponsorship was important and that, like, I needed to do that. And uh, so I started working the steps with him, and I did a one, two, three hangout. And uh, I got a little bit of relief from, like, starting to do some of the things. And so I was kind of balking at the fourth step. And I'd call him every once in a while and be like, hey, man, like, I'm I'm really suffering. Like, this one thing is really, this is the problem. This is really pushing my buttons. And he kept saying, like, man, if you do a fourth step, like, it'll really help you do a force that it will really help. And I was like, no, no, that's not what I need to do. You know, like, this thing needs to go this way. and um, So I hold off as long as I possibly can. I have, like, I think five months sober. And uh, I come, and, and it's the end of the semester, and I'm required to come back to Texas because of my probation. And I come back to Texas, and uh, I don't have a driver's license, so I'm, like, having to get rides everywhere. And there's this one dude that, like really wants to give me rides. And
0: uh, he, uh, not
1: like that, but he, uh, he starts taking me to meetings and uh, I'm in a meeting one night that he had driven me to and like he, uh, the the topic is sponsorship and like the importance of that. And I realized that I don't have a sponsor in Houston and that I need one if I'm going to stay sober because everybody I know in Houston that I associate with, like my whole group of friends are the people that I use with. And like, They were not people that I was going to be able to uh, lean on and get experience, strength, and help from about staying sober. And I needed those people. And uh, so I I go to dinner afterwards, and he ends up sponsoring me, and I'm working the steps with him, and I do the fourth step. And uh, one of the big things that I learned in the fourth step was how much of an active participant I am in my own suffering and how I... um, you know, like, I'm a big part of the problem and that I need to make some serious changes in my life in order to suffer less. And, you know, like, some of these things that, like, might be, like, blatantly apparent to other people, like, weren't necessarily the case for me. And I get to, like, my part in uh, the columns and I just, like, have um, more insight into my own life than I had in the, like, months of therapy that I was in. And I don't know why that is. I just, you know, I did, I finally did the work. I surrendered and did the work and, like, Um, saw who I was dealing with. And I saw, like, I had to give up a lot of that resistance that I had because I saw, like, the problem, like, on paper. And, like, there was no denying, like, you know, the truth will set you free. Like, I saw the truth about myself. And uh, so I quickly uh, had to do the fifth step right away, you know, and I, I... decided, you know, every time that I try to do things on on like my terms, like it kind of ends up a little shaky and like it's not really that like solid foundation. So I grabbed this guy who had um 19 piercings actually, but he was sober, and I grabbed this guy and did a fist step, and it didn't really like take. Like nothing really happened. And um you know, my sponsor was like, "Dude, what happened? Like you went and did your fist step like just with some random guy." Um
0: <laughs> and
1: uh, and I was like, yeah, I did, but, like, I also, I want to, you know, like, I want to do it with you, two and, you know, make sure that I, like, you know, continue working the steps through. I just, like, felt like I had to do it. And I go, and I do the fifth step and, uh, with my sponsor, who was, like, you know, taking me to all these meetings and everything. And uh, that thing happened that, like, absolutely changed who I was i uh I read him all these things and we go through it and it takes hours and we go through my part and everything and uh he points in the book and we were always in the book, and he points in the book where it suggests an hour of meditation after doing the fifth stuff I can go back to my house um he goes and drops me off you know i don't have a driver's license he goes and drops me off, and I sit in my backyard and um like the experience of connection that I had always been looking for my whole life, you know like that. That, that feeling of, like, I belong here, and, uh, you know, like, I did a bunch of stuff that, like, isn't necessarily stuff to be proud of, but, um, this is a place where I get to use that stuff to help other people, and, uh, I, uh, realized that day that, like, everything that had, like, led up to there, and, like, I'm not going to stay in this experience for the rest of my life, but this was the experience that I had that day, was that, like, everything was going to serve, like, serve this purpose, and that, um, You know, I belonged in AA, and, you know, I looked back at what my sponsor had done, and I was like, man, I can do that with someone else. Like, he just told the truth and, like, said what his experience was. And uh, this changed my life, and I can, like, you know, do that too. uh, I continue on with the steps and get to the ninth step, and uh, I don't know if I, I don't think I shared this, but the the two people that were hurt in the accident, like, one of them I was going to try and apologize to, and and he didn't want to uh, hear anything from me and said that he wished that I had died in the accident. So I'm, like, living with that, like, that whole time, and, like, you know, I, I still do, and, like, it's still, like, kind of hard, and um, I, uh, I get to the amends part of the steps and uh, go talk to someone who has, you know, a similar experience and, you know, find out what they do, and you know, he goes, as bad as I feel like I'm doing today, like, I started speaking, like, because that was what he did, and what he suggested was go and uh, talk to people who are, you know, at risk for drinking and driving and just share your story. Just tell what happened. And so, like, as part of my amends, I go and talk at colleges and high schools and, you know, just tell that talk about, like, just that night and how I thought it would never happen to me and how, um, you know, like, it was just a regular night and it was just one drive one night and it completely changed my life. And, um, anyways, uh, I don't know, I got, like, a lot of, uh, a lot of relief and, like, gratitude that I would be able to do something like that. Because sometimes it's just, like, overwhelming, like, like shame and guilt. And, like, to be able to, like, have a step that, like, focuses so directly at that and, like, so directly in service and, like, being able to show up and, like, help other people, like, just kind of cleans a lot of that stuff up.
0: Um, so,
1: uh... I guess I should talk about, uh, I, I picked up three, three years, um, my first three years sober, I got rides to meetings for like, you know, every single meeting I went to. And I went to AA meetings, and I was like involved in AA, so I went to committee meetings and like went to conferences in and out of town, and like people were like giving me rides everywhere. People were doing their service work, helping me out to make sure that I could be there so that I could do my service work, and, like, it was all interrelated. And um, I uh, I go in one day to my uh, probation officer, and meetings with my prob- probation officer were drastically improved after I got sober.
0: <laughs> I uh, did not
1: experience the fear of getting called back and, and all of that stuff, and... Um, One of the ways, I don't know, like, early in recovery I shared about in meetings about how, like, people were talking about, like, where you see God, and I saw God in little plastic cups because I didn't have to worry about getting called back, you know, I could go in and, and pee in that cup and not worry about what was in it because I knew I was, like, you know, not drinking and using drugs so, uh, I go in one day and talk to my probation officer, <clears throat> and she knows what I'm doing in AA, and, like, I don't, like, talk about it very much, but she kind of knows about it, and she's like, okay, well, you know, you've been doing the right thing, so we reward you for what you're doing and give you your license back, and, um, man, I, I drive in my car, and, like, I do my morning meditation, and, like, you know, for a, whi- for a while, like, I would do my morning meditation, and, like, I'd be like, man, like, this just feels so rote, and, just, like, trying to, you know, connect, but it's just not working. And then, like, I'd, you know, start my day, and I'd do it even though I wasn't really feeling it, and then I'd do it anyways, and uh, then I'd go, and I'd, like, get in my car, and, like, start my car. I'd be like, man, like, this is God. Like, me, like, being able to drive a car is, like, a very tangible way that I see that, like, something is working in my life that uh, is bigger than me and better than me and greater than me and, like, is through me and all that. Um, I'm not someone who was going to get off probation. I'm not someone who's going to get their license back. Like none of that stuff was going to happen. I wasn't going to, I, I you know, I wasn't going to graduate college because I was going to go to prison because I was going to violate probation and get in trouble and all that. And uh, anyways, I get my license back and like, man, I love giving people rides to meetings. Like I, I don't, I don't want to freak anyone out and I don't want to get like too many calls about rides, but I love giving people rides to meetings like, that's, like, one of my favorite ways to, to serve in AA, but, um, I, um, continue on with the steps, I, I finish the steps, and then I, you know, get a sponsor in Memphis, because I need to have a sponsor wherever I'm living, and, uh, you know, be accountable, and all that, and, um, I, I go back to school, and, you know, I, I'm graduated now, like, I, I finished, and I, you know, graduated, in this, you know, honor society, psychology, honor society, and, you know, did well in school and stuff, like, you know, directly related to me being an AA and, and learning the stuff that people talked about and uh, doing things that um, I didn't want to do um, because I heard other people talking about they did things that they didn't want to do and, like, showed up to class and, you know, did those, like, very simple things. And uh, and I uh, I guess I, I want to share, and I brought this thing to read, and uh, it's... It's one of those things, like, because I, I don't I don't necessarily always feel, like, feel this, like, strong presence of God in my life. Like, sometimes I do. Uh, right now, where I am in my sobriety, like, I'm I've, I've in a lot of fear, and, like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And so I'm not, like, real connected up, and I'm not sunburned by the sunlight of the Spirit right now.
0: <laughs> so uh, little
1: things, like, these little mementos and things, like, man, they really help me. And, like, one of the things, like, I went and got my driver's license renewed, and, like, man, I look at my driver's license, and I'm like, oh, uh, I didn't do this, you know. This is like something working in my life. But uh, I was at school, and I knew I was off probation because the date had ended. But um, I, I went and I checked my mailbox, and this was the uh, thing that I I read uh, in the mail. Was, Dear Mr. Watson, congratulations. Your community supervision in cause number 90587201 has been terminated. You are no longer required to report to Harris County community supervision and corrections department best of luck to you Cindy Clark supervising officer and uh, I don't know like I I didn't think I was going to get off probation like I didn't think I was going to get my driver's license back like I didn't think I would stay sober for four and a half years I wasn't going to graduate college Like all this stuff that, um, is like you know directly due to the fact that I went and did all these things that like I didn't want to do I didn't want to be here you know And, um, you know, sitting here last night and, like, I want to be here now, you know, I really want to be here and I want to stay and I want to do the work because I got something here that I didn't get anywhere else, you know, and all my searching and all that, like, trying to fit in here and, you know, trying to, like, gain acceptance here, like, I don't have to do that. Y'all will accept me exactly as I am, like, sweating and, you know, like, swallowing hard and heart beating fast and nervous and you know, like, I don't have to be someone I'm not here, and,
0: uh,
1: I don't know, I, I really appreciate when, um, people are honest and talk, struggling and doing that, because if I didn't know that it was okay to struggle in AA, I would have left a long time ago, you know, and, like, right now, like, I, the, the I guess, like, um, I'm having the, the existential crisis of today, you know, like, I had that one last week, and <clears throat> I got the one today, and, um, I uh, I have hope, you know, because I know that other people do too, and, and that they have gotten through it, and and I, you know, show up, and um, you know, speak in front of podiums, even when they're scared, and, and do all that kind of stuff. Um, but Hickey Paw is uh, is really important to me. I I got involved in service here uh, because uh, I was at coffee one day, and I you know my my ride, um, who I was hanging out with. I could have gotten another ride, but one of the rides that I was hanging out with was going, and she was like the co-chair or something like that. I didn't know anything about Hickey Paw. I didn't know anything about this like young people conference stuff, but some people were really excited about it. And uh, anyway, so I went, and I didn't didn't actually know what I was getting myself into, but uh, I went, and like it's one of those things that is just like really important to my recovery because I heard my first speaker meeting, uh, and at a you know conference, and heard young people talk about you know the things that that I went through and, and got some clarity on like you know some of that like oh well I'm you know got sober when I was nineteen like am I you know uh, stuff like that gets like addressed you know and um, having fun in sobriety like I I have lots of fun in sobriety I, I have friends today that. Uh, One, that, like, I don't have to, like, necessarily, like, be someone else. I get to be weird and eccentric and, you know, like, nervous and all that uh, with them and have fun doing it sober. Um, And I don't know if I said this, but I don't obsess about drinking and doing drugs anymore. That uh, was removed when I uh, worked the steps. And. That's, like, really important. I don't know why I didn't talk about that. It's, like, one of the most important things that happened because of, like, me working the steps. Um, But I don't know what else to say. Um, This definitely didn't go like I planned, so that's probably good. Um, I guess I'm done.
0: Thanks. Hickey Paul got this for you. Thanks for speaking. Oh. Um. So there's something happening at noon. Um. The kickoff meeting. Wrap up. Wrap up meeting. 2009 Hickey Paul kick kickoff meeting. I don't know what to call. Um. At noon. Is that right? Okay. At noon. So um, thanks for everybody that made it this morning, and um, thank you, Tom, so much for sharing your space. Let's close.